0: This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. We really benefit by brainstorming sessions in life. Sit through a good brainstorming session. You can come out of it feeling absolutely energized. You can take on the world. Come on, we'll climb that mountain together. It just happens. But sometimes you've got to figure out what the best way to brainstorm is, and one of the ways that the city has been doing it in London is by making use of advisory committees. Now, there are certain committees that you have to have, there are certain ways that municipalities decide to play things out, but... There is some question, has been for a little while, as to how advisory committees are working in London and what will be the future of those advisory committees. We're going to talk with London City Councillor Phil Squire in about 10 minutes, and we'll get the city side of things. But in talking about advisory committees, how they've been working, and what sorts of things they produce, it is our pleasure to welcome back to London Live Jerry LaHaye, who is a member of the Accessibility Advisory Committee in London, Jerry? How are things going?
1: Uh, good, Mike. How are you doing?
0: Well, I've, I've missed seeing you around because the last time you and I got together in person, uh, I was navigating a wheelchair on a sidewalk. Can you update us? Is, is uh, anything a
1: sidewalk, a sidewalk? that's being replaced as we speak. So it's, you're it's, kidding? It's a great thing, and and I'm I'm. For the most part no longer in a wheelchair i'm up on on two legs now and and, uh terrorizing the city is normal and won't stop complaining about sidewalks but uh no life is life has been uh, has been good considering the the pandemic and and uh you know a lot of things were put on pause like advisory committee meetings and uh but overall not bad
0: how's it been getting used to using your new legs
1: uh you know it, it it like when when I was on one prosthetic and one real leg it, uh, it's been quite the difference uh being up on two prosthetic legs but uh the company that uh, London Prosthetics that that does the work for me and the folks up at uh, Parkwood Hospital did a great job getting me up on the two legs and some good therapy and uh you'll never see me running up and down the street but you'll see me walking quite quickly so it's it's good to be out of the chair for a bit
0: Jerry LaHaye joining us. Jerry's also a part of the Accessibility Advisory Committee. And, Jerry, you've been a perfect person to be a part of that because you have known this city as someone who had full use of both of your legs. And then all of a sudden you're someone who knows the city as it pertains to accessibility and so you've seen both sides and you can see some of the challenges in this but now we understand there may be some changes to the way that the city does things with advisory committees maybe you could describe what it has been like to be a part of an advisory committee in its current form
1: well uh, it's it's been it's been it's been a privilege that i have the time to, to steal the words from our chair uh, of the Accessibility Committee. It's been a privilege to have the time to be able to commit to it. Um, I feel that not only do I have a duty and responsibility to be a part of the process instead of just sitting on the sidelines chirping away, I have an opportunity to try and effect change. And and the group that, that I sit with on the Accessibility Committee are, uh, you know, as it was said in the, in the, in the news article, it's, it's been the same people for a number of years. But they're committed to uh, the work that they do, the volunteer work that they do. Uh, they're passionate about uh, accessibility, uh, whether it's uh, for themselves, for their family, or for the community. And it, it's been a, a terrific learning curve as well. It's unfortunate that you know I had to suffer uh, a couple of amputations to appreciate what those with disabilities go through. But uh, so far, I have been. I find it's been very, very rewarding. And the most uh, incredible thing that has come out of it is that I've, I've developed some great relationships with the folks down at City Hall. So that even if I'm dealing with things on a one-on-one basis and not as a committee member, uh, we've got a good relationship. And, and we seem to either come to an agreement, we, we do affect the little changes, or they help me understand why there are some things we can't do.
0: Londoner Jerry LaHaye with us. Part of the Accessibility Advisory Committee in London As we look at the makeup of those advisory committees and some of what they have been able to produce in light of the fact that we may see some changes to the way that things are done going forward. City Hall, City Council still has an opportunity to examine things and and perhaps make some changes. Meetings are something that as we go through this pandemic, you can look at the statistics and people feel that they're actually meeting less, as much as you hear about all of these Zoom calls and everything going on. and the, the time spent meeting, according to some statistics, has actually been reduced. Jerry, in terms of time spent meeting and, and what was coming out of that, was it, was it you know, working in that light?
1: Did, did the meetings, uh, be, you know, pre-March, the meetings that we were having on a monthly basis and the subcommittee meetings when we were working on our, on our, on our work plans they're they're incredibly productive and uh, since since the pandemic started we've there has been as far as i know and as far as accessibility is concerned there have been no meetings um uh, there i think from what i'm understanding that the majority of advisory committees have been suspended for for whatever reason whether it's a lack of staff resources due to layoffs or whatever plus the accessibility to the you know the 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 tools needed to do online meetings now Having said that, I also sit on the on the city's community diversity and inclusivity group, and we have been meeting monthly on on, on a monthly basis via Zoom, so it, it it works. So whether I I don't know the, the logistics behind why uh, they stopped the meetings, but uh, I'm disappointed because yes, the pandemic has been the priority, and we want our 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 folks at City Hall. as as sean lewis says laser focused on the pandemic but we still have work to do because we still have issues to deal with as far as the accessibility is concerned and with the with the with the examination of whether or not it's prudent to have all the committees continue as as is whether they eliminate some whether they amalgamate some from a business perspective as phil squire points out it makes good business sense to do an evaluation but what never hurts it doesn't, and it really does. And I've had a couple of hours to reflect on it. It's funny, I posted a, a blog today about the angry advocate and something that I don't want to be, but I was angry initially. But when you take the time to think about, okay, good, an examination works, and if we can find efficiencies, great. However, it, 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 there was an underlying tone that it seemed to demean the work of the volunteers on these on these groups. And a lot of these groups, you know, I can say with the accessibility, I can say with the cycling advisory committee, there's a lot of no- wealth of knowledge that is brought to the table. And there's a lot of experts that bring to the table a good set of uh, of, of, of tools that assist city council in their decision-making. And it felt like, whether it was the way that the, the article was phrased or, or what have you, that that work was dismissed and not appreciated. And I get the point that has been made, and if you've been following the around on on Facebook, that you know, some of our counselors and city staff have been facing a lot of abuse. And it's abuse that, that I, I don't tolerate now, and I think it's completely unwarranted. We can disagree and we can have fruitful debate, but we don't need to get into abusive situations. And as as Stephen Turner put it, uh, you know, a few minutes ago on, on Facebook, advisory committees are an essential part of citizen engagement. And by working together with common goals which is basically to improve our city i think it would be a sad state if we got rid of them all
0: because we are seeing the ability to bring things to the attention of city hall that may not get that attention so you need that avenue at the same time somehow that avenue has to be advisory and not lobby right
1: well i agree to a point like there's 14 councilors and a mayor We do have a terrific um, group of people working at City Hall, but they can't see everything in a city of 400,000 people. I I noticed that there was a sign missing, and I I sent a note to Doug McRae at the Transportation Department, and within a week it's fixed. Doug can't see everything. And it's up to us as citizens to say, how can we help you? And yes, there are going to be times that we disagree. Now, as far as Lobbying is concerned, we do need to be careful of lobbying and we do need to be care- very careful of personal agendas. And it's something we want to stay away from. However, I do believe, and this is my own opinion, this is an opinion that comes from any of the committees, that there needs to be a little bit of advocacy as well because there are some folks in this city. I think back to myself from four years ago, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to turn to to get advice, to ask questions if I ran into a roadblock. Knowing what I know now, it helps not only the city and in, in the direction they're going, but also helps, uh, you know, my neighbors when they don't know which way to go, and I can help advocate for them as well. But you have to start with good relationships between the committees and and, and city council and city hall. And and the one thing I implore anybody to do, regardless of how they feel, is we got to knock off the abuse because the abuse that, that our city officials and our city staff are taking right now has got to stop because it's not productive. It's completely unnecessary, and it's so disrespectful.
0: Jerry, it is always great talking with you because you have such an outstanding perspective. Thank you so much for taking some time for us today.
1: Mike, I really appreciate it, and again, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. We'll talk soon. Take care.
0: That's Jerry LaHaye, part of the Accessibility Advisory Committee. So instead of looking at this and being concerned over the fact that maybe the advisory committee's would be changed, would be amalgamated in some way. Look at how Jerry sees this. Hey, it's always good to take stock. What's what's the worst social disease? Why do you do it that way? That's the way we've always done it. We can't live like that. We don't live like that in a pandemic very often because we're forced not to. So taking stock of things, sure. But Jerry raises a really good point about abuse for things, because it is so easy to write something down or send a snarky note or make a snarky comment. Social media has taught us how to do that, you know, and that's bad. That's very bad. And if you're using this as a way to pressure, as much as Jerry says, yeah, you've got to be able to advocate, and he's right, you've got to be able to advocate, but in terms of pressuring by way of abuse even use the word bullying, Jerry didn't use that word, that's my word, that's something we've got to watch out for. If you've ever answered the question, why do you do that, that way, with, because that's the way we've always done it, then you're doing it wrong, and we right now have Ward 6 Councillor Phil Squire with us to talk a little bit about advisory committees and and, Councillor Squire, we just talked with Jerry LaHaye, and he brought up a great point. He loves the idea that the city is kind of stepping back, taking a look at how this is happening, and saying, is this working? When you look at advisory committees right now, what do you think the city and city council have to decide?
2: Yeah, so first of all, I have to say a nice thing about Jerry LaHaye because he asked me to. So, Jerry's a great guy, <laughs> and I'm glad he's on our advisory committees, and that's all he's going to get today. So. <laughs>
0: Moving on. I, I completely concur.
2: Yeah. So, Jerry, I hope you're happy. And here's the problem. What I'm hearing is from a lot of advisory committees right now is they're frustrated. They don't think the work they do is meaningful. Um, we are having a difficult time in some cases attracting people to sit on advisory committees because of that frustration. And counselors get frustrated when we're sort of going down a certain path in the city that we've decided on after a lot of consultation. And then we have an advisory committee coming to us and saying, no, we want you to do something different than that. So it's really a very challenging situation for everybody involved. So I think properly what we're going to do now is take a look at all of these committees, and there's a lot of them, and say, look, are there some committees that have uh, sort of outlasted their usefulness? In other words, Have the purpose for which they, they were formed. Has that disappeared? And I'll, I'll give you an example. We, I sit on a committee called the town and gown committee and I've sat on it since I've been a counselor. It now hasn't met for probably two years. Um, and when we met, nothing was being done by that committee. Um, and so maybe it's time we just say, you know what? There's better ways to do this than having a committee and wasting people's time. Um, and I think we have advisory committees that were formed with good intentions, but now they're they're just meetings for people. In other words, people go to a meeting, they talk, they prepare some minutes, the minutes come to council, we say, thanks very much, uh, we received your minutes, have a nice day. So that's not moving anything forward in the City of London. That's not helping council, and that's just frustrating committees. So I think what we need to do is look at that. First of all, are there committees we can, can in good conscience eliminate? But also, are there committees that we can consolidate? In other words, do we really need five committees when they're all overlapping in the area? So if we have three or four different committees looking at transportation, in other words, one's looking at cycling, one's looking at at transportation from the point of view of all transportation, one's looking at the environment, maybe they should get together and meet. Now, they would probably say to me, no, no, we we need a committee for each thing. Well, the problem is that sometimes we get conflicting reports from these different committees. In other words, one committee will say, well, we want that. And another committee will say, well, we want the opposite. And I feel like just sitting back sometimes and saying, you know what, maybe you guys should get together and meet and come up with one proposal for council, something that's doable for council. So I think that's what we're talking about doing, and I think that's a really healthy thing. Um, I'm one of those people who hates going to meetings where nothing happens. And I hate going to meetings where – where recommendations from the meeting never get acted on. So I think it's it's incumbent on everyone to get together and and figure out a better way to do this. And, you know, what you're going to get to some extent, and I know this is going to happen, people who sit on committees are going to say, no, no, we're very important. You know, don't eliminate us. Don't look at us. We're really good. Well, that's our job as counselors really is to see what works best for the city, and I, I just think we can do a lot better.
0: We're talking right now with Ward 6 Counselor Phil Squire about advisory committees and just – Looking at the entire state of affairs, how things work, and trying to determine whether or not there's a better way of doing this, is there a timeline, Councillor Squire, on this in any way?
2: Well, staff's going to come back with a report, um, and I hope it's sooner rather than later. And there's another aspect to this that I really want to raise at this point, because it's something I feel really strongly about. You know, politics is, is really sort of a... People get very excited in politics, and politics is very polarizing. And one of the challenges that I think we face is how we deal with each other. And one of the things that's happened to me um, through advisory committees, and I'll be pretty frank about this, is, you know, when I've disagreed with a recommendation from an advisory committee sometimes, there ends up being a personal attack. You know, people will go on on social media and start attacking you as a person. And I think that's another thing we have to really start eliminating from politics. You know, a guy like Jerry LaHaye, um, I can disagree with Jerry. Jerry will say, I want this, and I'll say, well, I don't agree with you, and we're fine. It's not a problem. Others, I think, really have to start looking at themselves, politicians and other people on committees, saying, look, we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have different areas, but stop with the personal attacks. I personally left Twitter. Um, you know, I thought Twitter was a useful tool for me as a politician to get my ideas and get input from the public. But I quickly found out that, that people – we're using Twitter to attack me. And in a lot of cases, I I'm, I'm I'm, have a thick skin. I'm a lawyer. I'm a politician. I can take it. But when people start attacking you personally um, and your family sees that and they're upset about it, then I think that's really crossing the line. And I think that's another thing we really, really need to talk about in terms of, uh, of committees. In other words, are you on a committee to advance uh, good ideas and have healthy debates? Or are you there for a you know, to have a sort of a personal attack at another person. That's what I want to get rid of.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, that sort of thing does not need to exist, has no place, and is not really forwarding anything in the end. So, Councillor Squire, thanks, as always, for your honesty and for your thoughts on this. We really appreciate it. Have a good day. That's Ward 6 Councillor Phil Squire. So we've heard two people echo very similar things, the idea that, Hey, if you're going to be abusive, there is no reason for that to be allowed. And why would there be? Counselor Squire says he gets personal attacks when he goes on Twitter. That's why he's not on Twitter anymore. Can't blame him. And... That's not the way that things should work, but that's the way our world can work. Because these little snappy comments, these little, oh, you know, I'll tell you what I think without actually thinking it through, or, you know, this is not happening, or you're this, or you're that, that's not helping. And so if it means that we've got to make some changes to the way advisory committees work because that sort of thing is going on, then yeah, we've got to make those changes. Right here in front of me, I have a random hockey game involving the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals, just just ready to go on this screen in front of me. So, picture this. The Capitals are in red, the Penguins are in white, Kasperi Kapanen is not playing in this game. He's being traded to Pittsburgh, according to Elliot Friedman and The Athletic, but that's not happening yet but I'm going to hit play on this hockey game and the puck is going to drop. Okay. So there I've hit play. The puck has dropped. It's being controlled by Washington. Okay. And there the first collision, the first two people coming together, that's how long it took. So Washington won the face off. Puck was controlled, sent up the boards. Boom. There was a collision in a pandemic. We want as few collisions as possible. We don't want any collisions at all if we can do it. Physical distancing asks for two meters. So what do we do in hockey when that quickly after the drop of a puck, a collision can happen? How do we deal with the sport of hockey at a minor level when we're trying to keep people as safe as possible let's find out how the conversations have been going the executive director of alliance hockey mr tony martindale joins us now tony how are you very good mike how are you well i'm okay i'm I'm glad to be talking hockey even though it's it's in a, a different form how different have the past few months been for you and everybody else at alliance hockey
3: well it's like hockey across Ontario, we've all been working uh, with one another to um, work on a OHF return to play um, program for for participants, uh, minor to junior, and it's been a lot of work. And hopefully, uh, I know we've got kids back on the ice now in some cases. But uh, yeah, it's something that we've uh, we've worked hard at, and um, and the, the safe return is paramount
0: you just mentioned that word how high on the list does safety show up
3: well it's right now it's you know we're working with the um the facilities and the municipalities on a safe return in terms of uh, the number of people we can have in the ranks the number of people that we can have uh, on teams uh, in dress rooms uh, on the ice and and so on
0: now Normally, in, if it's not a pandemic, we are heading into the late stages of August, early September. You've got all kinds of teams already on the ice. You mentioned some have returned to the ice. Do we call what they're doing return to play yet, or is that part of uh, this bigger kind of movement to getting hockey restored in some form this this season?
3: Yeah, so we're working with the uh, ministry and uh, public health, and uh, they're making announcements every four weeks, and um, in our return to play uh, will mirror that. So, you know, once they say we can have, right now we can have 50 in a league. Uh, So uh, in order to have 50 in a league, it's modified games, uh, and uh, we want to keep Uh, social distancing on the benches and in the dress rooms Uh, some cases we don't have dress rooms yet so the early return with kids would uh, come dressed and and just go on the ice and it would be all uh, skills and drills and and shooting and and that sort of thing so there was absolutely no contact
0: kind of harkens back to maybe when you and I were playing the game at a minor league level where you'd dress at home and wind up going to the rink, you'd put your skates on at the rink, because sometimes dressing rooms weren't all that available.
3: No, and I've even seen the uh, pros in the early uh, stages coming in, their Porsches dressed in in their equipment, so uh, (laughs) they obviously wanted to get on the ice uh, right away.
0: Tony Martindale joining us, executive director with Alliance Hockey. So in terms of how it may look, that's something that parents tend to have questions about. You hear about, well, maybe it'll be more three-on-three, more skills. How much has that factored into the conversation?
3: Well, it's you know, I think the biggest thing was, um, you know, kids, there was – Hockey Canada made the announcement on March 12th that uh, all hockey was done. So, in some cases, we had, um, you know, kids. That in in most cases, kids will be off the ice since then. So, we're just starting to get them on. We did have some requests, and with the OHF return, that some kids could, uh, with their return to play, get on the ice as early as July. So, in some instances, we've had kids on the ice. I think. The, the closest one would be uh, to London would be Elgin and uh, their facility was open. Uh, there was some um, return to play work uh, with the Elgin Middlesex Association and the facilities on a safe return and, and what would that what that would look like and we're requiring all of our associations uh, to work closely with the facilities. On what is the facility responsibility? What is the association responsibility? So, um, you know, that's been going on for almost two months now. So uh, it's been working. Uh, the next stage is, um, you know, getting the kids registered for the upcoming season uh, the, starting uh, September 1st and then um, having an evaluation uh, period and then moving to modified games. Uh, probably around October 1st.
0: Okay, well, that gives us an update on the timeline. Tony, can't thank you enough for describing what the conversations have been like, some of the ideas that have come out, and will there be a, a more, I guess, official return to play guideline coming out at some point?
3: Yeah, that'll be based on the uh, on the ministry and, and public health announcements. Uh, so we've got a, a return to play that goes from uh, A to E, Uh, Five-on-five hockey would happen uh, in stage uh, C and and D. uh, Wouldn't be contact, uh, you know, if um, what they call stage four uh, would be back to normal hockey. So hopefully we can get there. Uh, It's all based on the uh, Ontario government and the uh, public health announcements. Um, One thing I did want to mention is uh, there's a real concern out there for the 2004 birth year, and uh, we're working closely with the o- OHL with those kids. Um, you know, we've never had to walk in those shoes, and those kids have um, worked all their minor hockey careers uh, for this year. So they're obviously in our forefront of, of thoughts and, and programming and how we're going to showcase those kids for the OHL draft.
0: That's fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for, again, taking the time, Tony. And uh, we'll touch base in maybe a few weeks or a couple of months and see where the world sits. How about that?
3: That'd be great, Mike. Thanks for all your support.
0: That's Tony Martindale, executive director of Alliance Hockey. And that's just it. You've got a lot of kids going into their draft year. And how do you showcase them? They're dealing with this in college football in the United States with a lot of teams not playing, how do you showcase with you sports and whether it's the CFL draft, how do you showcase when you didn't play this year? And that's going to be a, a big time question. We'll talk with some hockey scouts and we'll find out what they plan to do. We'll talk with some football scouts and we'll find out what they plan to do. Because in the end, it's about finding what is hidden behind the bookshelf. If it doesn't come at you one way, you got to go around to the other side. You got to you got to try and go up. You got to try and go under. You got to find a way in behind it to get whatever got stuck back there. That's where we sit. We're we're stuck behind that bookcase. We'll figure out how to get to it. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.